every moment, every, every time that God shows up, and you almost want to say that God shows up every time. Uh, you know, I don't want us to be like, you know, treating that lightly, but, but God does really show up every time. And, and every time he does show up, it's, it's just amazing. It's, you know, I, I, I honestly, I can't see this life without, without him. And, you know, I always ask if you're happy to be here. I'm not going to ask you this time. So I hope you're happy. Okay? I'm happy to be here too. How was your week? Good? Hard? Easy? I, I know. I know it was easy for some people, uh, but not for everyone. But it's okay. We take turns. It's gonna be it's gonna be hard for others and then easy <laughs> for someone else. Let's pray again real quick and just ask God to speak to us because you know if He doesn't, who can? I mean, who, what you know what 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 can I say? What can anyone else get out of here? If God doesn't touch us, doesn't speak to us. Lord, we bow down our heads right now and God, we close God our eyes because Lord, we so want to reach out and touch you, Lord. God, we want to stretch out, God. We just want to reach through business and God and through through people, what people are doing here, God, through some distractions, God. We want to break through all of it, Lord. And we want to touch you, God. We want to go all the way, God. We want to go through all those all those God places and we want to get into the Holy of Holies, God. That's where we want to be, Lord. That's where we want to be, God. And we know that without you, Lord, we won't be able to get there, God. And God, we want to get there by your permission, Lord, by your blessing, Father, as well. Because we want to be, we want to be accepted there, God. We want, to be, we want to be welcome, God. And God, we just want to prepare our hearts right now, God. We want to just silence everything in our hearts, silence our minds, so that all we hear is you, God. And, and that we just accept from you, Lord. And God, we just ask you, touch us, Lord, touch us. We so need your touch, God. We so need your life in us, God. We so need you to speak to us, God, today, every day. God, we just thank you ahead of time. We know, we know you love us. We know you bless us with many good gifts, God. And we just thank you right now for everything you're going to do. We worship you and pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So I really, um, I, I named, you know, today's message, I named it, uh, is it is it really good? Um, but then it it auto corrected it into is it really God? So maybe it was meant to be. I think I think is it really God actually makes more sense, uh, you know, given what we're going to talk about. Um, but we'll see. Uh, so I want to you know, start with um, uh, you know, with a couple things. First of all, I I saw an ad today. If anybody sees it, I don't know. It's, it's, it's really interesting. It, the ad said, transform your prayer life in four minutes. How, how cool is that? Four minutes. Yeah, four minutes and your prayer life is transformed. Who, who believes that? Okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I think it's possible. You know, God can touch you and everything changes. But I think it's more like, you know, four years or, you know, at least four months or something like that. It's, you know, it takes... This is something that takes so much investment um, to transform. And that's something that, you know, I just, you know, I, I saw it. You know, I, I keep seeing more and more um, ads like that and more ads that, you know, that talk about things where, where we just, you know, 
but you just blur the line with with who God is and and what you see in this world happening right now. And you know, it makes it makes Christianity completely compatible with you know with a secular secular living. And you know, I, I don't think it ever will be. Uh, I don't think Christianity will ever be compatible with worldly living until. Christ comes here on this earth and establishes his kingdom. And then it's going to be compatible because the world is, is, is being driven by, by what he commands, by his commandments. Amen? Amen. So let's start with a story. Uh, I heard today, I don't know if you guys listened to um, Spirit 105.3, but I was listening to it today and probably at a time when everybody else was at work. Uh, so maybe you haven't heard the story. Uh, it's a lady uh, in the airport. She, um, she, uh, you know, her flight is delayed, so she got you know extra time. And then um, she decides, I'm going to go get some cookies. And she goes get gets a pack of cookies and uh, sits down. And a guy walks up to her and sits down right next to her, and she sees that he's opening up the the pack of cookies that's there on the seat that she bought. And starts, you know, pulls out a cookie and starts eating. And doesn't say anything. Doesn't say, can I, please, hello. Nothing like that. So she goes, okay. Well, she reaches out, gets another cookie. And, and then he goes and gets another cookie as well. And she's like, is this some funny guy? What is he doing? Um, so it continues until they get to the last cookie. So she's thinking if he's going to get it, it's just like beyond my understanding. And, and he actually reaches out and gets it. The last cookie breaks it in half and gives her uh, half of it, and she's like, you know, can you imagine how you would feel? You know, I mean, it's it's cookies we're talking about, right? It's, it's no small business. So, so she gets on the plane. <laughs> Some people get it, right? Uh, she gets on the plane, uh, sits down, opens up her purse, and she finds out that her cookie pack is there, you know, in her purse. <laughs> so. <laughs> It was it was her who was the the funny one, the rude one, the weird one. I I can only imagine how it feels, right? You're sitting there, you know, with this, you know, just being totally sure that it's your cookies, and this guy is robbing you of your cookies, and like, you know, it's just being a good Christian, you know, not saying anything. Um, it's funny, right? It's really, really. I I was like. I was like, I can imagine, right? You know, if you would put her, her on the, that lie detector machine, it would probably check out because she was positive she wasn't lying. Like, it, it was her pack of cookies. And you know what's interesting? That even though she didn't feel like that, she didn't think that she was lying, she was still lying, right? She was still wrong. If she would say, that's my pack of cookies, and if she would be judged on that, she would, be, she would be found guilty, right? Very, very interesting, but that's exactly, that's exactly how we are sometimes with God. And, and the reason I like that story, because it shows how we can be confident. I remember myself calling, calling up a credit union, I told you about it, right? And, and just convincing them that I have an account with them that I need to close. And, and, and I was like, I called three times, and then I told the lady that, you know, I, I always call up and... and and you always find my account, so you, can I talk to your manager? And it just, you know, I tried like three times, and then, then I went back and I realized that I never had an account there. It was the credit union next door. So, shameful, but, you know, I, I wanted to call up all of them and apologize, but, 
you know, it's, it's just like those things you just go and ask God for forgiveness in your God, just help me to redeem myself from this. <laughs> but what I'm leading to is, I want to say something, you know. I want to say that what we think is good is not always good. And what we think is bad is not always bad. Okay, and I, I'm going to explain this. It doesn't make sense, but I'm going to explain it. I want to read a scripture from Mark chapter 8, verses 35 to 36. It says, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? We've heard that, that many, many times, but I want to like, put it in a different perspective. Can you um, imagine yourself right now and just be honest to yourself. You don't have to answer here, but just think about it. If somebody would offer you, um, you know, the re- resolution of all your concerns, problems, maybe you need healing, you get healing, maybe you need, you know, whatever you need, and somebody puts you in and, you know, says, you know, you can be in, in Bill Gates' place, for instance, and you get $50 billion, you are, you know, your own kind of uh, man, you do whatever you want, but... But you get to reset all of your relationship with God, all of your experiences with God, everything that you've done with God so far. You get to reset it. Like, would you, would you trade it for that? The reason I'm saying that is there are very often situations where, where we need healing, where we need money, where we need a job, where we need some, you know, some answer, and we don't get it. And, and it's... It's at those situations where it will be valued, what our relationship with God is, is valued at. And it says, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? You know, I was, I was thinking, it's right now, you know, if, you, if, if I put it to you that way, probably everybody said, no, you know, I'm, I don't want to take it. I don't want any billions. I don't want, I don't want trillions, you know, for that. I want to keep my relationship with God. That's fine. But what if you, what if you have a decision today that, that you make... In 10 years, that's exactly what's going to happen. Maybe you're going to gain something more, but you're going to lose your soul. And, and I, I think that that's something that we need to be thinking about. And it, that's exactly what helps me when, when something happens that I don't like or I don't agree with. That's exactly what helps me to understand if it's really bad or if it's not bad. Because we don't see it right away sometimes. Another thing that I want to say is that our plans, I mean, God's plans and God's desires, they always leave us with a future. They always leave us full of hope and faith and life. Like every time you choose for God, every time you try to do something for God, I, I, I've just seen it, you know. I'm, I'm not saying, you know, it's not rocket science that I'm saying. It's not something crazy, you know. I know you guys heard it about it before, but I, want to, I, know, I know it's for us today. It leaves us, you know, with a continuation. It's never where you're, you know, you got into that experience, you did something, and then you're done, you're out, and you feel like you went through a meat grinder or, or you know somebody used you up there's no juice left in you and they just throw you as an empty pack and and there's and then it's like well who needs me at that point what is my life worth at that point what is the purpose you know i um you know i i know like when it um when companies go through big restructures like when they lay off people and people don't know what's going to happen you know what's the biggest problem that people complain about is lack of purpose 
That's like one of the worst things that they complain complain about is that it's hard to work here because I don't know what I'm going to be doing in a month, in six months, or you know what you know where we're going. It's hard to do any work because I know if it's going to be used uh, in 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 uh, Nazis in concentration camps. They what they would do is the way they would um, torture Jews and, and others. They would take like pile a pile of dirt and they would give them a command to move that pile of dirt to point point B from point A. And then they would tell them to move that from point B to point A. And they would do that all day long. And, and believe it or not, they didn't even beat, him, beat them up. They, some of them committed suicides because of that. Because it was just pointless. It was, there was just no, no future, nothing beyond this right now. And you know what? I'll tell you this, and, and I know it from my own experience. In this world, if we will invest into this world, we're going to keep being getting disappointed. You know, we're going to be, you will keep coming to a point where it's like, what's the point? What's the point? What's the point? If you put it into God, if you invest into God, into God's things, you're never, ne- absolutely never, ever going to come up to, a, come to a point where you're like, what do I do? Who do I go to? Because you can always go to God because you are going to God. You're putting into God and you, you know, you can, you can always retrieve from there. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. I give you to give you a future and a hope. You know what I was thinking? It's a future and a hope. I don't know who understands it, but I know even at, at a young age, you get to a point. I, I know that I see the, the, the culture and the media brainwashing you know, the youngest of, of, our, of our nation right now, even at 8, 10, and 12 where they, they, they are lost. They don't have a purpose. They don't have a reason to live. It's like I've heard an eight-year-old say, what's the purpose? What's, what's, a, what's the reason? What's the purpose of my life? Why do I live? Why was I born? Who can get, you know, what can get you into that position? God created that person. God gave that person to, you know, up to like really 12 years, 14 years. It's, it's, it's amazing life, right? There's almost no responsibility. Well, you know, good parents will make sure that there's responsibility, but... But I'm just saying that, you know, there's, there's not much to worry about. You don't have to work. You don't, you, there's so many things you can do. There's so much that you can get from God and, and, and give to God as well at the same time. Invest into, into God's kingdom. That it, Life should be beautiful, right? How by eight years old you say, what's the purpose of my life? So our, our own plans on the other side and desires, they leave us empty and broken. In Jeremiah 2.13, it says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn or made themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Do you ever have that feeling like you're trying to gather up, trying to gather up, trying to put something, trying to make yourself happy, make yourself joyful, you know, you know somehow to bring yourself up and you can't, and, not, and nothing stays. Just, you, you just get nothing. I mean, you try, it's like you're, you know, you're trying to eat and you eat and you eat and, and you understand you don't fill up yourself and there's there's nothing in you that you're not satisfied that feeling is horrible that feeling is horrible and that's why that's why it says they left they left they have forsaken me so they left god the fountain of living waters and they have built themselves you know you know pots or you know uh, something to carry water with that that's broken you pour into it no matter how much you pour into it no matter how good of a water you pour into it it's not staying there. There's nothing in it. You cannot do anything with it. So 
one thing is kind of like a side note. I want to say that, you know, and we're getting there, getting to my main point. But hardships, whenever you, whenever you are in a place where you don't know what to do or you lost something or you got sick or, you know, or there is a dead end in your life or some, some sort of a hardship. And, you know, different, you know, different things are different to different people are hardships. But, you know, for some people it's something big or somebody who's in a really big hardship, then your hardship is not a hardship to them. But at the same time, it's a hardship to them, right? So, you know, if it hurts, you know, whether your heart hurts or your finger hurts, if your heart doesn't hurt and your finger does hurt, then, you know, it hurts anyway. But if your heart starts hurting, then, you know, with finger, it's not such a big deal, right? But it's all in proportion. But what I want to say is that hardship do not mean that God is unhappy with you. They don't. I mean, sometimes they do, but I, I think that, you know, I really know that if God would judge us, the way we judge us sometimes, we would, be, we would be in hardship. You know, it would be really bad. And I'm not saying, like, just to loosen up and everything, but what I want to say is that sometimes it can even be God. It can be God who is, who is opposing us because he wants to take us to a different place. He wants to teach us. He wants to, he wants to change us. In, in Job 5.18, it says, For he bruises, but he binds up. He wounds, but his hands make whole really it doesn't I know it's not fun when that's happening to you but guys if you are in that if that verse applies to you not everybody not all the time right but there will be people here and there at times where this will be this will be your prayer this will be the cry of your heart and I just want us to be prepared for that I know maybe some of us or a lot of us are not there right now but you will get there if you want to live a life of holiness you will get there and and I, I mean, this is such a comfort when you realize that sometimes God is the one who bruises. Then God is the one who breaks. Sometimes that's, that's him who's doing that. But at the same time, he will bind up. He will make it whole. You know, when he's, you know, when he's the one who breaks your life and then he puts it together, he always does it better. He always does it better. It's in the end, it's, it's way better. I remember somebody said, uh, if you feel like your life has fallen apart, maybe it's just fallen into place. You know, sometimes, sometimes our life feels so broken. And you, you think, why is this happening to me? What for? You know, wh- why? Like, why am I going through this sickness? Why am I losing here? Why are people hating me in school or hating me for, for what I said? Why do people, why does nobody accept what I'm saying? Why does nobody want to accept the, the truth that I'm preaching? You know, well, maybe, very well, it might be that God is letting you to be broken right now, to break. Because, you know what? Very often, I know, especially when you when you haven't when you don't have this like uh, saturated when your spirit is not saturated with it. Something you do, you preach. Somebody you know repents or wants to follow you, or you get you know ten people that listen to you. You immediately think you've done it. You immediately think you have done it because that's that's how our flesh is. The Bible says that our hearts are corrupt, and it takes a while for God to break it. And redo it, to break it and redo it, to break it and redo it to where it's only pure that's left, where it's only gold. You know how they refine gold? It takes it takes multiple passes. They don't do it in one in one shot. But you know when they do it, it's really really hot. It's not you know like Hawaii hot. It's it's really hot to where it hurts, to where it burns. Here's here's how God wants us to plan. In James four thirteen fifteen through fifteen, it says. Uh, come now, you who say today or tomorrow 
We will go to such and such a city, spend the year there, buy and sell and make a profit. That sounds how, like a lot of us sound right now. Whereas you do not, you do not know what will happen tomorrow. And I want to stop here at, for one second. This feeling of, you know, this realization that our lives are really not, you know, it's nothing certain. I mean, do you, you guys understand, right? God did not guarantee you something. God did not promise you something. If you, I'm not saying something happy right now, but if you die in a car accident tomorrow, or if somebody, you know, goes and shoots you in the school, is God going to be wrong? He's not going to be wrong. It's not, it's, it doesn't mean that he didn't fulfill his, you know, his part of the contract. No, because he owns the earth and everything that's on it. And even the spirits that are in us is from him. The breath, you, you, you know, you breathed in and breathed out multiple times, probably a thousand of times by now, right? Since you came here. Who gave you that? God gave you that. Heartbeats that are happening right now, every single heartbeat, he's actively given them to you. He set a decree to give it to you. And there is, there is a number of days for every single one of us. So one thing that I want to say out of this is don't be afraid of death. But at the same time, be afraid of death because... You know, when you do die, it, it's, if you're with God, it's nothing scary. But at the same time, if you're not with God, you, you, you want to be afraid of the one who can kill you the second time. And then that's what's the problem. That's the biggest problem is if, you, if, you, if somebody kills you, if, if you die, you know, if there's, you know, if you don't have 80 years to live on this earth, that's not a big deal, really. It's, it's in God's hands. But, but if, you, if you die and then your eternity is in fire, then in hell, then... That's where it's really, really painful. So let's continue. It says, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Who pays attention to vapor? Like, you know, when you, when you go and, and it's cold outside, you breathe out, oh, it's fun. You know, first time, second time, third time it's fun maybe, and then that's it, right? And then you just breathe out, you see that vapor, and it doesn't, nobody pays attention to it. It's nothing. That's how our lives are. Unless we make an impact with our lives. Verse 15, it says, Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. I like, I like, I like this verse. I oh, you know, In the last multiple years, like, since I really read it, you know how you read things and then you just read over them. But once you actually read into it and you actually get what the verse was, was saying... And this verse, once I, once I got it, it it's, it's so amazing. If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. And that's, I realize that that's how our prayers should be. That's how our plans should be. God, if, God I, I really, I'm getting to a point where I, I really, you know, my wife and I, we just, we just don't trust ourselves. Not, you know, not that we're so bad, but we just know God chooses so much better for us. He knows so much better. And, you know, there are times when, when time after time you don't get things the way you wanted to get them. And it's hard. You know, it gets, gets hard sometimes because you want, an, you want the answer exactly the way you were. But, but then, you know, you go through that period and then you drive into, uh, into a, a parking lot and you pray and you say, God, give me a, a spot like somewhere right here. And then somebody pulls away from the closest spot in the whole place and you pull in and you know it was God who gave you the parking spot. And you're just, God, that's fine. Everything else can stay unanswered. But, you know, just thank you for giving me this parking spot. 
<laughs> and you're so happy that you don't even want to leave when you're done, right? Because God gave you that parking spot. And, and God will do that with us, but, but not always. And sometimes, sometimes the, you know, the unanswered prayers are the hardest to keep praying. Sometimes the hardest thing is to break and say, God, really what you will, not what I will, not what I want, but what you want. And that's, that's one of the hardest things to do. That's one of the hardest prayers to pray. That's, uh, that, you know, some people, a lot of people said it's one of the fastest prayers to be answered. And, and it's true. But we get to a point where, you know, we don't, if we're going to keep growing with God, we're not going to get things the way we want them. Just, just, I just want you to remember that. So the first question that you get when you hear that is, does God want me to live as a, you know, as a miserable minion? Does, does God want you just to like serve and, and just you know, be unimportant, unnoticeable? Um, no, absolutely not. Because you know, what he planned for us when we obey is just, you know, just, just amazing. In Romans 8, 14 through 16, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. I just, I'll, just, I'll tell you this. Um, I don't know, like, we have a son, and we have daughters. I'll tell you the treatment that they get from, from myself and Mar- Marina. It, it's like, you know, everybody would like to be treated that way. Of course, we discipline them. You know, that's not fun, always for them. But, but it's how much protection they get, how much love, how much care, how many things are taken care, for them, taken care of for them, is just amazing. It, it's, I can't explain it. I mean, you, you have to, like, remember how you are as a kid, you know, when things are just, you're just blessed in, in your father's house, in your parents' house. It's just awesome. Uh, verse 15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage, again, to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. That word, Abba, it's, uh, you know, I didn't read, you know, just kind of scan through what, what that means. That word means something like, you know, that not everybody can say to a person. It's, you know, like when my kids call me dad, you know, they call me daddy or, you know, in Russian, right? It's, it's something for them that, that really nobody else can do. I mean, like none of you guys can call me. Even if you call me that way, if you just say that, that doesn't mean much. But there's so much, there's such a bond put into that. And that's, that's the word that, that, that's being used here is that we can cry out with that spirit, Abba, Father, that we can cry out to him, Father, you know, not, not somebody who's far away, but somebody who cares for me. I'm in, his, I'm in your house. I'm in your care. I'm under your protection. That's how, that's how we can cry out to God. Verse 16 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So these three verses are just, you know, putting it this way, another way, and again this way so that you understand it. It's children of God. That's what God that's what God um, has for us. But at the same time, you see this phrase that says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, those are sons of God. In Matthew 4, 4, one, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Looks very familiar, right? The Spirit is leading here, the Spirit is leading here. Could it be a different spirit? No, it's the same spirit of God. And it led Jesus into wilderness. If you, if you think about it, is it a good place 
wilderness? Is there a lot of fun there? No. I mean, the Bible doesn't say anywhere that he, Jesus fasted without water, but I think that's exactly what it was. It's, there was no, where did you see water in the wilderness? It's not there. You, you, even if you look at some places like Arizona, right? If you see a wilderness, there is no water. There is nothing growing in there. It's, it's, it's dead. And is there much comfort there? No. Where do you sleep? You sleep on something hard. You, 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 just, you just exist that part of your life. How could spirit lead Jesus into that? And, and you know, that's the question I had too until I read further where it said where he came out of the spirit, he came, out, he came in the power of the spirit. And that's exactly what happens to us. We go through those wildernesses, you know. I know it will be in our life. If we want to follow God, if we want to live godly, there will be times where we're in a wilderness, where you feel like even God doesn't answer you. I mean, it, it could be really God just not answering you. He's not, he has not forgotten you. Nothing is, is out of his control, but it surely feels so. It feels like he doesn't care, that he has forgotten you. I, I'll, I'll be honest, you know, there's answers that are, un, there are prayers that are, that are unanswered, and they're unanswered for so long, and they're so important to you, that there were times when I just, I just came on my knees and I said, God, are you here? Are you even with me? Are you, are you, or am I, am I totally disconnected from you? And, you know, there's mercy from God and grace from God because he would touch me and, 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 and later I would be sure that it's him. You know, he's here. He didn't leave me. He lives in me and he, he's with me and with my family. But there will be moments like that. There will be long moments sometimes like that. Somebody said that um, Apostle Paul, after that great conversion, like, you know, a, you know 180 degree conversion, like everything was perfect. But it wasn't. He escaped Damascus uh, you know, as a, as a thief, right? They, they just lowered him down at night. And you know that at night there are wild animals in those, in those places. And he, that's, that's, how he, that's how he escaped. And if you think about it, later on, some people said that he was in the desert for years, in the um, Arabia, Arabia Desert, or I can't forgot the name of it. But that he was there for years before he can actually, actually came out and he started preaching the Word of God. And even then... His life was not amazing if by our standards. So this brings me to a point to, to suffering. I think Dennis talked about it a few, few Fridays ago. But you know, we will all suffer at some point in our lives. And we will not be accepted by this world. Even though we live in this world, don't, be, don't, be, don't expect to be accepted. I'm not saying that you know, we have, you know, we, we're just angry and hostile with everybody. Absolutely not. I, I know, you know, there's, there's people that are in the world that, that like me. And not, not because I'm so great, but just because, you know, they, there's something in, in Christians, and in true Christians, that attracts people of this world. And, doesn't, you know, it's, it's when they are drawn to you, that's okay. When you're drawn to the world, that's, that's the problem. So, so I'm just saying that the world, as, as the world will not accept us, will not accept Christ, because it's, it's being driven by, by Satan, and Satan opposes everything that's God's. And you see that, right? You see it everywhere, for where the devil just tries to make fun of, of everything that, that God has created. We will love the world, and we will live in, you know, keep living in the world, but try to be our best citizens, but you know, it just doesn't align. You know, it just doesn't align. We will try to do the best we can, as long as it aligns with the, with the Bible, with God's, God's laws. But what is, what is in, in suffering for us? And the answer is a lot. 
Uh, so there's a lot of stuff in it, good, you know, good and hard. In Romans um, 8, 17, 18, that's uh, next two verses, it says, and if, we, and if children, then heirs. If heirs of God, then join heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. He has said, if we suffer with him, then we will be glorified together. Verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. He says, you know, what he's saying here, it's not even worth comparing. You, you can't even compare what you're going to have in heaven, where you're going to have, how glorious it's going to be in heaven when we get there compared to where we are right now, compared to everything that we're going through. We're going to think at, look at our lives and think that, you know, it's, it's, it, it's such a good deal. It's an amazing deal. Everything, you know, all that we've went through is way more than worth it. Of what we got. And we'll just understand that you can't even compare those two things. It's like you can't even buy what we got with what we paid for. And going back to verse 17 though. It says, if we suffer with him, then we also may be, you know, that we may also be glorified with, you know, together. Every, um, I was listening to a sermon on suffering. It's interesting that um, somebody said there is no suffering in the New Testament. And after listening to that sermon, it was so funny. It was really like, was every time I hear that phrase, it, it, you know, it's funny. Because um, you, you, the, the guy was, the preacher was going through, through the sermon. He went through every single book of the New Testament. There was at least one mention of suffering. And it was pretty, pretty, uh, pretty serious, pretty tangible. It's not like we're all oh, a little bit, you know. But it was like talking about suffering. And, and I was also listening to a sermon this, this week, earlier this week. It was talking about um, uh, Christians in Smyrna, Smyrna uh, in Revelation, where, where he really didn't tell them anything uh, wrong with them, right? He, he, just, he just praised them. Jesus praised that church. And, and he didn't praise all the churches. Most of the churches, they had something to change. They had some corrections from him. And even that is a blessing. When God corrects us, that is a blessing. But... Those Christians, I didn't know that, but they were living, you know, that was, in that time, that was one of the worst cities for Christians to live in, because everybody had to worship the emperor and bring, um, you know, the, uh, the sacrifice or, like, burnt offering, uh, and then they would be given a certificate, and without that certificate, if you would be found on the streets, then you're, you know, done, you know, killed, you know, best case scenario. Uh, worst, you know, who knows? They, they are very creative with all the tortures and everything. And um, but I was like, look how God told them, you know, though you're poor, you're rich. You're very rich. They didn't have anything. They really didn't have anything because can you imagine when you're in hiding you don't, you, there's nothing, there's really nothing, you can, you, you can't do a business, you can't go work, everything is just, you know, just getting by, just surviving, but God said to them, you know, you are rich, that's how they were in God's eyes, if we would look at them, we would be like, you know, what's, how, how can they be rich, you know, and, and sometimes we hear it, 
especially here in America, I think we are, we, we've heard it so many times that, you know, we, we get this feeling that when, even when we read in Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, you know, uh, God's uh, perfect, good, pleasing, and perfect will. We think when, it, when, when I get to God's perfect will, that means, you know, I have, I have the car I want, I have the house I want, the job I want, the wife and husband I want, everything's perfect, nobody's sick. And it's not like that. Well, the husband and wife, I know we can have. You know, we can have the perfect husband and wife for us. We, we, uh, well, a lot of us do. All of us do. But, uh, but, but everything else, not guaranteed. Right? Not promised. Not, it doesn't mean that perfect will of God. You know, when Apostle Paul was, you know, was beaten, when shipwrecked, all of those things that were happening to him, was that not perfect will of God for him? No, it was perfect will of God. That's what he wanted to do. And he said... When they were trying to stop him from going to uh, Jerusalem, he said, why are you torturing me? Why are the... I mean, it was like he was upset with them. That's what I felt. Like, why are you... I mean, I'm not only ready to, be, to suffer for him, but to die for him also. And you can, you can tell because when he was... You know that when he was in Rome for two years, he accepted a lot of people to him and preached, and, and he continued, he, he kept writing. You know who was writing at that time? Nero. Can you imagine for two years waiting to be um, judged by Nero? Just for the guy, I mean, everything you hear is insane. I mean, how can you burn a city to build your own house, you know, new house, right? It's like, it's crazy. Just what, he, what he's done is crazy. What he's done to Christians is crazy. And it says that uh, when he was crucifying Christians or when he was killing them, very often they, they would sing songs, they would sing praise to God, they would sing psalms. And he would just—he would be driven nuts by that because he could not understand why. How are they like that? Apostle Paul was one of them. Can you imagine? For two years, you are sitting there and waiting to be—you um, don't know—crucified, uh, you know, parted, beheaded, you know, quartered, uh, whatever, right? I mean, there are more interesting ways to live this earth. But it, it, how can you preach? How can you write? How can you keep accept, accepting people? Because he did. He did, and that shows that he really loved God, even through all of that. And you know what? I don't want to, like, I don't want to make all of us little here. I know there is a different measure. I, I think there's a different measure for people, for Christians in Syria, in Iraq, and for us here. But at the same time, we have our own battles. We have our own tortures. I mean, sometimes it's a torture to say... I'm 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 a kind you can't say a kind person. It's so hard to say I'm a Christian. Sometimes it's just so hard, or or just to say, you know, somebody tells you, oh, there's such a great bar there, you know, you should go there with your wife. And you know, I don't drink. I'm I'm a Christian. I have different principles, and and I don't I don't even miss anything. Sometimes it's so hard to answer that way. Why? Because that's our portion here on this earth in this country. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll get greater things that will need to come, you know, uh, come or face, right? Maybe not, but, but there is something that God wants from us. Maybe, some, you know, nobody is killing us. Nobody is beheading us. And maybe they will, maybe not. We don't know, but it's not that. Sometimes we're so afraid of what we hear, what happens in other countries, that we forget about doing something here. But today, sometimes it's like being crucified to, to preach to someone. Sometimes it's like... It is like being crucified to tell someone, you know, no, I, I, I don't 
not like I hate you or anything, but I just don't believe the same way. I, I have a different opinion. You believe this way, but I believe this way. How about, let's talk about me. You know, let's, let's just let's talk about you. Let's talk about you, and then let's talk about me. And then just talk about it, because sometimes we are so afraid, and we just talk about everybody else and, and the good parts of us and good parts of our lives that are not, you know, not very um, sharp, and that's it. And we don't want to go further. So while I was talking about suffering, I want, I want to say this kind of to, to conclude, is that God's ultimate goal is that he wants us to completely trust him, to trust him with everything. He wants to get us to a point where we trust, believe, and hope in him no matter what. Because there will be situations, there will be times in life when you do have to trust him no matter what when you do have to believe you just have to believe that he is here right now with you and he didn't leave you there will be times when you won't see it when you won't feel it you know when even non-believers will be able to prove to you that god is now with you and there will be times when devil will say where is your god where is your god and you'll need to say at that, at that time you know, there's, first of all, when you go with God, when you live with God long enough, you can, you can point back. There's so many things I can point back to and say, there he was, there he was, there he was, there he was, there he was. And it's a train of things that you can say, there God was with me. But at the same time, you know, if you just look at your life and you say, listen, I have a purpose that's bigger than my job, a purpose that's bigger than, than, than a career, a purpose bigger than money, purpose bigger than the city where, than where I live, than what I do, than what people think I am. That's God right there already. When you find something in you to go and serve, when you find something in you to, to go and preach, to go and help someone, that is God right there. You know, you're not doing it because you want something. You're not doing it because people think it's cool or it's good or you can be called a charity, you know. You're doing it because God lives in you, because you want to do it. Amen? So in Romans 5, 5 um, 1 through 5, it says something very interesting, very beautiful, I think. In, um, in first verse, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character. And notice this, character, hope. This is such a weird connection, but it's so amazing. Character produces hope. Sometimes we need to build up our character to a point, or let God build up our character to a point where we're so steady in Him that it gives us hope. You know, that we're so sure in Him that it produces hope in us. And it's so interesting, but, but you know, where does it start? It starts with perseverance. Where do you get to show perseverance? In tribulations, right? I mean, I don't, I don't know. You know, we can say many beautiful words. I can say many beautiful words. You know, when, when two people get married, I, I, I love that. I love that analogy. When they get married, they can do the most beautiful vows. That, that's great. I'm, I'm happy with that. And I, I believe that there's something happening in heaven. But really, initially, to be honest, the first day of their marriage... It's great, but, you know, it doesn't prove a whole much. The next six months proves more. Next year proves more. And they keep proving. I mean, you know, people, I'm not, you know, not belittling anyone who just got married, you know. 
foil gun. Oh, Alex and I later. So I'm just saying, you know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, not bringing down anyone who just got married. It's not that. I mean, there's, there's a track record of things of how you were, right? It's not just two people out of the blue got married here and done. But, but in marriage, you know, there are times when, when you know, I, I don't look my best. You know, I don't feel my best. I'm not my best, you know, period. And, and, and my wife keeps loving me. And then the same way around, right? I mean, same way, the other way around. It's like where you have to carry your, you know, each other's burdens. And, and sometimes it's hard for her, and it's easy for me. Sometimes it's easy for me, it's hard for her. Sometimes it's hard for both of us, and, you know, it's easy for God, and God helps us. Sometimes it's easy for both of us. It's different situations. You can never prepare for everything. But there are times when you don't get an answer, or where your kid gets sick, or something happens where you don't even know what's happening. And you know what? The years are what's proven it. The, the, the per, you know, persistence is what's, what's, what's proven it. And if you are thinking, you know, I'm only, uh, you know, I, I, I love only when I feel like loving, then don't even think about ever getting married. Because sometimes you don't feel like loving. You're just like, you just had a bad day. And you come home, and there's something that's bigger than your feelings. Something that drives you to where you know, Man, I this is this is my the love of my life. I, I, I it's not because I feel like that right now. I feel like right, right now all my feelings are about you know what's happened at work, or maybe I got into an accident, or maybe I lost something. You know, feelings are overtaken so easily. I've noticed when my mood changed from good to bad in like two minutes. You know, and then the, the other way around. Not like I have mood swings or anything like that. It's 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 all okay. But but it's just it could be like that. Sometimes we're told. Oh, you know, you, you feel like you got into an accident and, oh, man, you're thinking, oh, man, it's all of these things and, and so much money lost and everything. And then the, the officer gives you a ticket, says that, you know, it's actually not your fault. It's the other party's fault and everything's fine right away, <laughs> right? You're not that worried anymore. It's, we are so easily affected by things, but those feelings, we have to walk away from them. We just have to walk away from them. And I want to be, I want to be wrapping up, but... We can stand up and, and start get, get ready to pray. But one thing that I wanted us to to um, kind of to walk away with, if if nothing else, is you know next time you pray uh, and God doesn't answer, everything's okay. He doesn't have to. Sometimes it's His great love that He doesn't answer. You know, next time you want, you really, really, really need a healing or you need a job or you need something else or you really wanted something and it doesn't happen and it doesn't happen and you know what sometimes it can get worse how about when you fast for something for a long time you pray for something for a long time and it gets worse what are you going to do let's close our eyes uh and we can turn off the lights too you know very often just think about those situations right now maybe you had them maybe not but just imagine what happens when you, when you don't get your long-awaited, needed answer. Where, you, where you're not accepted at work or in school over and over and over. When you do everything you, you, you should have done. And it's still different. It's still not the way you want it. What is our heart saying? What is our heart saying? Like Job said, are we only going to accept good from him and not the bad is that is that is that it is that where is that where our love ends you know how much are we going to allow god to do to us how much 
How many things are we going to go through him with, with him through? You know, what are we, how far are we ready to go with him? That's, that's the question that, that's going to be asked of you and of me more and more and more every single day, I believe. You know, it's the question that's being asked at our works, at our jobs, in schools. You know, when we meet people that we know we need to testify to, the question will be, how much are you willing to give up? Are you willing to give up friendship? Are you willing to give up some pleasure? Are you willing to give up your reputation? Are you willing to give up your job? I know it, it's hard questions. Every single one of them will be as fresh as the one before that. We're never going to develop you know, this, this tolerance to all of this stuff. It's always going to cost us something. It's always going to be something that requires a price to pay. But at the same time, we can, we can let God build our character. We can let God do whatever He wants to do to our lives. And yes, to answer the question in the very beginning, yes, it is really God. It is really God who feels like sometimes He really breaks your life. Sometimes He's, he's changing your life around the way you didn't want to. He's pushing you up against some circumstances that you never envisioned yourself being in. But listen, right there, God is building your character that's going to give you hope. You're going to have hope. And at the end of it, because there will be the end of it, there will be an end to it. You'll walk out in God's glory. You'll walk out knowing that you haven't failed God, that you haven't betrayed Him, that you walked with Him faithfully through the hardest times. And you'll have His life. You'll have His stamp of approval at the end. That's what will matter. That's what will matter. Even our whole lives. Our whole lives are not, you know, they're not much. They seem so great and big in our eyes, but but I just want I just want us to get ready right now to to prepare to really rest and have peace and and really enjoy everything when we are in His kingdom in heaven. That will be the that will be the ultimate satisfaction. That will be the ultimate answer to all of your needs, all of your prayers. Everything will be done away with, and it will be exactly perfect, the way God has made it to be. And I just wanted to tell you something. Just think of it for a second. Just think about it. If you are not happy with how God does things here, how are you going to be happy with how God does things in heaven? God, if you're not happy with what He chooses here on this earth right now, you're not going to be happy in heaven.